All right, everybody, welcome back to the showcase. I'm your host, Paris Jackson. On today's episode, a week removed trade deadline opinions. Going to be coming in hot. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the showcase. You know, I was thinking about this for the last few days about how many trades and trade deadlines really make a huge difference by the end of the year. And, you know, when we get some blockbuster trades like we do seemingly every year around this time, we get really caught up and swept up in whether or not these are really going to be the difference makers when it comes to a team winning a championship or getting down to the finals or anything else that could possibly happen due to one of these trades. And we had some major trades go down last week and it took a minute to kind of ferment in the brain and let it formulate what it really meant for the league and you know where we're at as we head into all-star week in the last you know 20 some odd games of the year so and in the long run I don't think things have changed as much as people will have wanted them to based on the moves that were made Um, some very active teams during the trade deadline, the Lakers and the Nets. And, of course, the big pieces that were moved were Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, thus bringing to the end the quote-unquote big three and the last ramifications of this Nets run. For the Nets, they've basically returned to who they were pre, I'd say, 2020, right? When they had Spencer Dinwiddie. They had just made playoffs, and everybody was really hyped on them, and they landed Kevin Durant for the D'Lo trade. Like, they're pretty much back to where they were before then, minus a few picks and plus a few pick swaps. But for the Nets, I mean, they were basically a fail-fast organization on this run. Benny's eating in the background. He's enjoying his dinner. But with the Nets... Basically, failure of this Kevin Durant-Kyrie Irving pairing, they were able to get over it and out of it relatively unscathed and still pick up a lot of good pieces along the way. Um, So obviously, the Nets, huge sellers at the trade deadline. I don't think they had what it took to get to the championship, recognized it fast, and just cut their losses. You know, it was a pretty big position that they took on with Kyrie and James Harden and leveraging so much of the future with, you know, those acquisitions. But to get rid of them as quickly as they did is just a sign that they want to fail fast and move on and get to the next thing. It's probably because of their ownership and that, you know, that tech background. They just want to fail fast and move on to the next thing. And I don't blame them. You know, moving off of the drama that is Kyrie Irving, moving off of the drama that is James Harden. You know, unfortunately, you give up one of the greatest scorers of all time in Kevin Durant. But 
honestly, would you rather have him pouting around and being upset and kind of handcuffing what you are able to do and build for the not-so-near future? Probably not, right? Kevin Durant and the, the pieces that they had up to that point would have wouldn't have gotten them a championship either, especially with the departure of Kyrie. So, you know, as unfortunate and as much crap as the Nets got, <clears throat> you know, they did get some quality pieces back. Quite a few first rounders, a bunch of second rounders, some pick swaps. Mikhail Bridges, who's been playing absolutely great for the Suns and should continue to do that for the Nets, as well as Cam Johnson, who's another good piece and didn't really give up much. Kevin Durant and TJ Warren, who hasn't really made a name for himself since the bubble. Not giving up too much for the haul that they got back. Um, so I think good moves for the Nets. And then, obviously, on the other side of it, the Suns receiving Kevin Durant, building a semi-new big three with an aging Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And, you know, if Kevin Durant was healthy, maybe this pushes them over. If the Suns had a little more, hadn't given up, I guess, their depth, both in the offseason and with this trade sending off Mikhail Bridges. I'd be higher on the Suns as well. I don't think that they just automatically get penciled in as Western Conference Finals winners, Western Conference Finals even contenders, you know? I think they're maybe a second-round exit type team. I don't believe in this Suns organization, even with Kevin Durant, you know? I think that, you know, with Chris Paul at the height of his abilities facilitating the offense— you know, you'll definitely have some good options in D-Book and Kevin Durant. But, you know, ultimately, an Achilles heel for them might be, hey, let's just let KD beat us, shut down Chris Paul, shut down Devin Booker, and grind it out defensively and get to a championship or get move on past the Suns. I don't think this KD trade <clears throat> is really going to elevate the Suns the way they did, especially with him coming off of the injury that he's coming off. You know, they also gave up Dario Saric, who was a good piece for them for a while, um, for basically nothing. I don't think Darius Baisley is an upgrade from there. So, you know, the Suns will have won the trade in just landing Kevin Durant, of course. But... I don't think this is enough for them to win the West and ultimately win a championship. And for the Nets, obviously, they enter a rebuild phase immediately. <clears throat> Switching gears to focus on another set of con potential contenders, I really do like the moves, on the other hand, that the Clippers made. Cashing in Luke. Luke Kennard for Eric Gordon and his defense and veteran leadership in three-point shooting I thought was a great move. As well as moving off of Reggie Jackson, who has done a ton for them, but with an, a healthy, uh, healthy Kawhi and a healthy Paul George. I don't think that they, they really need his services so long as they're healthy. You know, John Wall was obviously not a good fit either. So moving off him and bringing in a, a vet big like Mason Plumley, I do like the moves that the Clippers have made, especially in the picking up of Bones Highland. He's going to be able to replace Reggie Jackson and contribute a lot more offensively 
without sacrificing too much from a defensive standpoint. So <clears throat> really good moves, really good moves all around from the Clippers. So I, I really like what they did. I also really like what the Lakers did. Not going to lie. You know, bringing in, I, I honestly, I hate D'Angelo Russell, but I think if you're trading Russell Westbrook for D'Angelo Russell and the other pieces that they got with Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt, who's already come in and made a huge splash specifically on Saturday in that game against the Warriors, you know, you're setting yourself up in a great position to get the maximum quality that you can from the roster that is constructed around LeBron and AD. It also puts you into a position moving into the off season where you got some youth that you'd potentially be more willing to re-sign. Like you weren't willing to re-sign Patrick Beverly, Russell Westbrook, Thomas Bryant, right? You weren't willing to re-sign all those pieces, but Rui Hachimura, Jared Vanderbilt, you're willing to re-sign those and build for the long haul with these younger pieces that have a lot of high upside and maybe maybe a low floor, but you know, the Lakers overhaul front office, not for this year, for moving forward, had some great moves at the deadline. So congrats to them. And then, of course, the Mavericks were the other big piece of news, trading for Kyrie Irving, letting go Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith. This is purely a rental move with Kyrie Irving. I think that... You know, the game against the Timberwolves the other night where they're basically playing hot potato between the two of them, trying to figure out who's going to take the last shot down three against the Timberwolves is going to be a prime example of two primary ball handlers that are going to have to coexist. And one of them is going to need to step up. I think Kyrie's still in the, you know, um, phase of just kind of deferring to Luka but and we'll see how it works. I don't think the Mavs instantly got better either. And I don't think you know, the Nets necessarily lost the trade picking up Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith and a first rounder and two second rounders to get rid of your quote-unquote problem child in Kyrie Irving. I just think that it's you know, <laughs> Not necessarily a, a championship winning piece for the Mavericks. And I think that the Nets, Nets might have won that trade. They honestly did. Now, of course, a lot of people got moved around for cash considerations and, and things like that. I think it's great that the Raptors picked up Jakob Pertl, who was just suffering on the Spurs. But other than that, fairly quiet, fairly quiet trade deadline. You know, you had the fiasco in Golden State with the James Wiseman trade. You had some, you know, minor player trades between the Hawks and the Rockets. And, um, you know, the Magic giving up Mo Bamba might have been silly, but they do have Jonathan Isaacs coming back. And then the Timberwolves moving off D'Lo to bring in Mike Conley. They might, they might take a leap forward with that move. I think D'Lo is an awful piece of any team. Just not from a stat standpoint. You look at the stat sheet and he shoots very well. You know, he scores a good amount. If you were living your life in the stat sheet, you would want D'Lo on your team. I just think 
the decisions that he makes with the ball are suboptimal in crunch time and just throughout the game. Um, and that's just from watching him. He might obviously disagree. You know, fans of his might also disagree. I just think that he could make a lot better decisions with the ball than he does and displays throughout the years that I've watched him, specifically the years when he was on the Warriors. Obviously, I watched him the most, but those habits die hard. Um, and I don't think that he was going to go and get tremendously better playing on the Lakers and, and, and make any of those decisions. So bringing in a vet like Mike Conley, who's a little bit higher IQ, makes the winning play more often and can contribute on defense was a strong move for the Timberwolves. So, <clears throat> you know, I didn't want to spend too much time this week on, you know, who got so much better and who got so much worse. I think it's still early. You're going to have the all-star break. We have a week off from basketball. And then we're going to come back and have this, basically this stretch run of March for teams to really dial it in and figure out who's going to be, you know, the front runners. And I don't think they've necessarily changed. You have Boston and Milwaukee in the front in the east who did not make any major moves during the trade deadline. In the west, you have the Nuggets who got rid of Bones Highland, but other than that, are pretty much stagnant in their moves. And those are going to be like your top three teams, I think, who have the biggest shot of winning it all. So, you know, I'm sure if you check the books, the Suns are up there in the top two. I've heard it a billion times the past week. But Nuggets, Bucks, Celtics, like those are going to be your finals, conference finals contenders for sure. Probably the Warriors, too. You can put them in there. I'm concerned with the Steph Curry injury. Um, and just it's seeming like there's a little blood in the water for Golden State, especially floating around 500 this late in the season, 59 games in at 500, 58 games. Um, and it doesn't seem like it's going to turn around anytime soon. Hopefully they get stepped back very soon after the All-Star break and can go into a little run um, and just be ready for the uh, the postseason. But if in my heart of hearts, I know that it's going to be one of these other teams who likely win the championship this year. And you know what? That's okay. The Warriors won last year. Let's, let's let somebody else win this year. Um but anyway, I wanted to come on and, and just do a quick episode today about the trade deadline. We're heading into the All-Star break. Um, any, everybody and anybody knows how I feel about the All-Star break in terms of just pointlessness. Like the celebrity All-Star game has no like real celebrities. I don't know if you've seen the list um, as far as who is on the teams <clears throat> for the celebrity All-Star game. But it's uh, it's not really great. Uh, the team is one team is headed up by Dwayne Wade, um, which is great. And then the other team captain um, is Lisa Leslie and Fat Joe. It's not a great. It's not a great lineup. Um, you know, you have Kane Brown, Corday, Diamond DeShields, Calvin Johnson, The Miz, Ozuna. Like, these are these even basketball players? Nikki Jam, Simu Liu, 
Hassan Minaj, DK Metcalf, Janelle Monet, Twenty One Savage. Like those are your celebrities playing in the game. In the slam dunk contest, you have a bunch of people that'll make you say who? Like Mac McClung. He's probably the the most famous person in the in the dunk contest, which is getting more and more boring every year. The three point contest has a lot of good big names, but you know, that'll be one event in the weekend. And then, of course, you have the All-Star game itself missing who knows how many people. Like, Steph Curry's obviously out. LeBron is nursing his foot, so he's going to be out. Like, some of the big-name stars are going to be out of the All-Star game. So, it's it's a weekend that's fun. Tune in if you can. But, you know, you probably are just better off watching the highlights of All-Star weekend. It would be always fun to go to. I feel like being in Salt Lake City or Cleveland, or whatever city that they're having it in, you know, from year to year, would be fun to witness the All-Star games. But watching it on TV versus just, you know, spending time with your family. <laughs> I just spent time with your family and just watch the highlights, man. Like, uh, it's anything that's a great moment is going to turn into a meme. Any outstanding dunks you'll likely see on social media within the hour. And you don't have to, to spend your time watching it. Maybe the three-point contest. The three-point contest is always fun to watch. Uh, I don't even think they're having a skills challenge this year. I haven't heard anything about a skills challenge or who's participating in it or anything. Um, and then the Rising Stars challenge will be fun to watch You know, the, the youngins go on. But, yeah, I guess there is the skills challenge, but who knows who's in it. Let me check really quick. Oh, that's right. It's the Atatakumpo brothers versus Team Jazz versus the rookies of Paolo Bancaro, Jaden Ivey, and Jabari Smith. I feel like they could have found a bunch of better people for that, but eh, whatever. Again, All-Star Weekend. It's like, eh. You know, the real All-Stars come out during the postseason. That's what everybody's for. This is all just gimmicky stuff. And, hey, maybe it'll be fun to watch. Maybe it'll be entertaining. I personally probably won't be watching it, um, and I'll just watch the highlights and, and move on. But um, that's pretty much it. That's all I got for you this episode. You know, big trade deadline last week. We'll see how, you know, the teams that made some trades look in the uh, the month of March. And um, hopefully everybody had a beautiful Valentine's Day and enjoyed the Super Bowl and everything else that happened in the last couple of weeks. I talked to you, and stay safe. Until next time, bye-bye. <laughs>